Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. We're talking today about privacy and data security law, and we're talking with Elisa Hutnick, an associate with Kelly Dry in Washington, D.C. Elisa, thanks so much for joining me today. Oh, you're very welcome. Glad to be here. Just as a little bit of context for our audience, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, your firm, and the work that you do, please? Sure. Well, we handle all sorts of consumer protection matters. Um, so anything that the Federal Trade Commission, state attorneys general, and private litigants, usually class actions, um, bring affecting where consumers have issues of concern to them. I focus particularly on privacy and information security concerns. So this would be business obligations to protect data, business obligations on how they use that data, how they disclose that data, the exchanges of that type of information with third parties. So, Lisa, what are the types of cases that you commonly would handle relevant to privacy and information security? Well, I can give you kind of a snapshot of, of my day-to-day. Um, we counsel clients who, businesses, who, uh, who obviously they have employee data, they have customer data, they have prospective data, and we walk through what are their obligations based on existing law on how they, how they handle that data, how they protect that data. And then there's questions, because consumer protection law is, is, uh, got a lot of gray areas, so what are the trends? What are things that they should be thinking about and they should be doing to make sure that they're adequately uh, handling that data in, in appropriate ways? So there's the counseling aspect. What we've seen more the case kind of in the past few years and really going forward is a much more um, active front. So this would be representing clients as they have a data breach and certainly walking through all of those obligations to make sure that they take care of those obligations appropriately. And then there is the reactive sense where they are being investigated by the Federal Trade Commission or the state attorneys general for practices related to personal information, whether it's uh, associated with a data breach, which we've done, or it's associated with how they're just handling personal information of customers or advertising issues, certain representations they've made about their practices that the Federal Trade Commission, for example, um, does not think is accurate or potentially maybe misleading. Well, Lisa, at times this year with the Heartland data breach, uh, Chase Bank just reported one, it seemed like almost this is the Chinese year of the breach. It's just come up so frequently. And, and, and that has a lot to do with more about those disclosure obligations. Um, it's likely that the breaches were always happening. I think we're so much more aware of them now because of uh, two things. One, the obligations based on 45 states, they have to notify. And it's... it's, it's um, increase public awareness so that we now pay attention to this and we have a lot more questions about breaches which calls a lot of those facts and brings them bring them into the public sphere as people are concerned about identity theft. Now one of the things that strikes me in your your profile is that your counseling includes advising companies on what to do following a breach and that just struck me as such a relevant question to our audience when there is a breach what should organizations immediately be doing? You know, and, and it's such a critical question, and it's one that a lot of dollar signs, I think, hang on, because we all have busy day jobs, right? And so there's one crisis to the next, and it's hard sometimes to prioritize or differentiate 
what's the more immediate crisis? Is it somebody who's on the phone to you now, or is it other issue that kind of bubbled up in an email? And with data breaches, sometimes it really does just bubble up from an email, and you can really minimize the company's exposure if you take news of a potential security breach very seriously, and there is quick action to get to the root of the problem. And I'll give you an example, you know, where you have a breach that, let's say, is a hacking incident into an application, if you if that news bubbles up and you can take quick action to at least cut it offline or cut off whatever the open portal is that's being exploited, that's the potential of having several days or potentially many more files of card card number information, for example, um, that are exposed. And that can directly translate into a substantially reduced amount if you end up having to pay card reimbursement fees or, or fraudulent um, fraudulent payments that you're responsible for, by taking action a week earlier and and rooting it, you can actually save a lot of money. So quick, the bottom line is really taking these issues seriously, knowing the right questions to know whether this is a serious data security breach or it it may not be such as, it may not be um, a big issue, but it's a good learning lesson because let's say very sensitive data was not at issue in one particular example, but it highlighted a potential vulnerability that should have safeguards modified and updated to prevent um, future more serious issues. So the flip side of that question is what is it that organizations should not be doing immediately following a breach? Well, you know, the flip answer, right, is not taking it seriously, but that's not very helpful because it, it all depends on what the facts are and needing to know what to take seriously. So I think being well-versed enough to be able to quickly have your team, and that, you know, it's kind of a blend of what sh- what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing, but if you've got the right stakeholders already in place, so you've got your task force on data breaches, so you have the right folks being able to look at a certain set of facts and, and make an informed judgment for the company as to what are the next steps, right? So by putting all of responsibility on this type of issue on, let's say, an IT part of the organization or just legal, I think you do a disservice to the company. It's really a multi-part effort to make sure you get to the right decision. And I suppose that you want to be the one talking to your customers before somebody else is. Uh, you always want to be in a lot of these situations. It doesn't always work that way. You know, it may be that a customer found out first because their card was used fraudulently and they were pretty quick to, to call Visa. So you're better off if you can figure it out internally before an external source finds out before you and lets you know because by then, unfortunately, usually a lot of time has passed by and that means that your company was more exposed during that time. You mentioned some of the state privacy legislation. You, you talked about the 45 states that have it, and, and two that come to mind immediately are Massachusetts and Nevada, which have got some, some new regulations that have either passed or pending. Now, what trends do you see here with the state legislation? And I wonder if you envision national privacy legislation coming anytime soon. Well, it's, it's a good point. You raised Massachusetts and Nevada, and what we see there is The only change is you've got a few states that are now getting very specific on what they mean with data security safeguards. What we saw before that was you had more general laws, like the FTC talks about unfair and deceptive practices and really use that as a framework to say, um, are your information securities unfair? And and, uh, really kind of had this evolving, shifting standard without a lot of clarity. Then you had Massachusetts and Nevada that said, here's what we mean by reasonable practices. You actually have a certain performance standard that you have to meet. And I think that's 
that model has had a ripple effect, and what we are seeing is a fair amount of other states considering what other specific safeguards do we want to put companies on notice that they have to comply with. So I think you see Minnesota on putting um, a cost reimbursement standard if you don't meet certain safeguard obligations. So that's one example, and I think other states are certainly going to experiment with a model that works for them. So if anything, I, I see a lot more specificity among various states and probably a fair amount of experimentation on what that means. You've got a handful of states that already specified that if you are going to contract with vendors, service providers, that your contracts have specific safeguard language. The plus factor that I think looking forward we're going to see is um, states putting not just that performance contract standard, but some sort of oversight and monitoring aspect to that. So that's, that's another potential area. Um, national, your question is to national privacy legislation. Um, that's certainly the, the demand by a lot of businesses. I think we're going to see it more in parcels. So there probably is going to be something on online marketing and a privacy bill that really addresses a lot of that. I am not confident we're going to see a federal uniform data security type safeguard. And I see that, say that because there's a lot of different jurisdictional buckets between health types information where you have a HIPAA standard or financial information, and there are too many kind of variances there. So I think for the meantime, we're going to see more of these specific data security obligations really come from the state. Now, as you know, we've seen a lot of, uh, of privacy trends this year. We've had high-profile breaches. We've got a new administration that seems to be paying a lot of attention to cybersecurity and privacy. What do you see as some of the trends that you're going to track as we go into 2010 regarding privacy and information security? Well, I think the, the profile has certainly been lifted over the last few years on data security, and it, it's been partly because of the big cases. What we're going to see going forward is a lot more aggressive regulatory action. And what I mean by that are high-profile investigations, um, more of them. So, for example, I think you're going to see the FTC take a lot. Uh, it's already had a, a pretty prominent role in this area, and I think that's just going to be more of the case. I think HHS is probably going to take a more active role in these with data security safeguards and data security breaches as a result you're going to see the awareness of a lot of companies paying attention when they see big settlement figures or litigation, for that matter, um, in, uh, and see some monetary damages as a result. That hasn't quite been the case. We've seen some examples with monetary settlements, but not from the some from the regulators, but mostly it's been with the banks and with the card associations. You add those monetary figures to those settlements plus more active regulatory investigations, and it makes it a very expensive issue for companies if they're not more proactive to make sure that their data security safeguards are up to par. Sure. Well, Lisa, one last question for you. I know you spend a lot of time with organizations talking about information security and privacy, and I'm, I'm sure you see lots of common themes. If you could offer organizations one piece of advice that might prevent them grief down the road when it comes to challenges in security and privacy, what would that advice be? I think there's just got to be such a better communication pipeline between legal and IT. I mean, data security stuff, it's so often it gets, this is an IT-only issue, but the problem there is that there's not the same kind of mapping and prioritization in many cases because of budget constraints, because of people who, uh, you know, they, they carry a lot of roles in their one job, 
And unless there is a really good pipeline between what the having the business have a good sense of legally what they need to do and having legal know from the business end, what are our options to make sure we reach that objective? I think you can get to that point where the company is adequately protected and the company knows what its obligations are. You just have such a mis missing gap among a lot of companies now as to what they're actually doing and what they need to be doing. Very well said. Elisa, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Oh, you're very welcome. We've been talking about privacy and data security. We've been talking with Elisa Hutnick with Kelly Dry. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.